A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. My name is David Law from BBC Radio 5 Live. I am joined by Catherine Whitaker from Eurosport, who has literally 60 seconds just come off live television to come and sit with me outside where everybody's building up towards the night session. Day is becoming night. We've just seen Catherine Whitaker, Roger Federer survive for a second match in a row over five sets. He's not doing this easily, is he? He's not, no, although he seems to be having a great deal of fun. And his on-court interview on the Arthur Ashe Stadium after his second consecutive five-set battle, this time against Mikhail Yuzhny, who had barely lost a set to in 16 matches, he said, oh, it's really good fun playing these five-set matches. I mean, what, what a response to the whole thing. And, uh, uh, yeah, I just came off air with Alex Correcha, who did the... Uh, flash interview the the immediate the on-court interview uh, for Eurosport with with Federer and he said Roger told him that the back issues are, are behind him he might be a little bit tentative about the back but there's certainly not any palpable injuries not feeling any pain whether we believe him or not I don't know there's all sorts of stats going around Twitter about his service speed only averaging around about 109 miles per hour for the match today on first serve and and people speculating he's not arching his back like he usually is on serve but I still see all that as speculation and I think we kind of have to take him at his word on it do we is he not just hoodwinking hoodwinking us all I, I don't I honestly don't know I don't see a huge amount of evidence that he's not moving brilliantly he looks really rusty to me and really nervous but isn't movement part of that really i mean if you're if if he's moving as fluidly as he normally would with no physical ailment doesn't that all come from that i think the movement's okay i potentially detect issues on on the serve i do agree doesn't seem to be arching his back that could be a, a precautionary psychological thing that he just doesn't have the confidence in it yet that he hasn't been serving much in the build-up and just it needs to build up the confidence with with the back it could be that but yeah potentially see evidence of physical 
issues on, on the serve, but he just seems so relaxed. I know he is relaxed, but if he really was stressed about a back issue, I just can't believe he would be that... that he was just so brilliantly... He was just chuffed, wasn't he, to come win it. He was just... It's I, about I five years since I've seen him look stressed, though. Yeah, I know, I know. His box was certainly stressed. Oh, yeah, they were. No, I, really I, we, we were panning up uh, during our commentary on Five Live. We were watching the TV pictures as well as the, the courts in front of our own eyes, and occasionally it would pan up. And first of all, I noticed that when they showed Merka, she looked unusually anxious. You don't normally see that. And, 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 when, and, and, and Ivan Lubicic was really had really bought into the match you could see him living every shot and you don't always see that with his box do you no I was sat in the photographer's pit about two meters from his box just underneath him so I could hear every single thing they were shouting out oh yeah do tell well Mika Mika is quite vocal actually but she was incredibly vocal today um uh, Severin Luti, very vocal. Ivan Lubicic, not vocal, but certainly extremely intense-looking. Tony Godzik was shouting for England. Well, not for England, for, for America, but... What, what was he saying? Uh, oh, nothing. Of it, no no coaching or anything. Just, you know, come on, Roger, this is it. This is the one, you know, at pertinent uh, moments in, in the match. Severin Luti was uh, shouting in, in a language I didn't understand. Uh, and Mer- Merkel was just, come on, come on that sort of stuff and uh, a lovely little moment um, after the match they they stuck around for the whole on-court interview all of it and then after the on-court interview uh, the winner hits balls in into the crowd and you know they he appeals for um, for the crowd to, to cheer and direct him where to hit it his box Mirka was pointing to him where to hit the ball he was looking up to her and she went over there over there hit it over there I don't know whether it's because they had mates or something in the stand at first I thought she was directing him to hit it to her and I thought that was that would have been the weirdest thing ever um but it wasn't that <laughs> it was I, d- I don't know it was just a sort of sweet insightful little moment we're, we're going to hear from various people to do with Rafael Nadal who's playing the evening session match I'll be back after that match to tell you how that went uh, we're going to be hearing uh, ex- interviews that Catherine's done for Eurosport with Tony Nadal and with Carlos Moya fascinating insights from both about how they see Rafa's progress at the moment. We are also going to be hearing from Mats Volander looking ahead to the Kyle Edmund against Denis Shapovalov match. He's really interesting on young Denis so do stick around for that but a word Catherine on Mikhail Yushny because he's lost to the guy now 17 times out of 17 and there was a moment that he went two sets to one up today and I can't imagine what was going through his head because he was he was closing in. He he was, you know, the guy's thirty five. He may never face Roger Federer again oh, anywhere. I hope he doesn't. Oh, don't you just you know? It would be just nice if he got one win. No, because he's not going to get one. He's not. Today was the day. Today was the day. Will he ever get a better chance than that? I, I don't think so. How well was he playing? I mean, that's and I know I do feel that. Look, interestingly enough, Federer went four of up after fourteen minutes, and he was toying with Eugenie. In one return game, he hit three drop shots, two of them on returns, for clean winners. Um, and, and it was exhibition stuff. And he won the first set in just over 20 minutes. But then Eugenie managed to just stay with him in the second set and suddenly started to zone himself. I mean, he played the best tennis I've ever seen him play in sets two and three, did Mikhail Eugenie. He was going toe-to-toe with Roger Federer, teeing off against him. I found it highly entertaining. 
Yeah, it was. Unfortunately, I only started watching in the flesh in the fifth set, by which point, uh, usually, although the fight was 100% there, I mean, there were a couple of service games that he managed to hold on to. Uh, I've, I've no idea how we managed to do so I mean uh, uh, more than a handful of Federer errors certainly helped him there but he couldn't push off on the so he was serving like me in that fifth set and he looked let's be realistic although I I did in commentary actually say at one point when he missed an open backhand volley I'd have made that and uh, yeah well Leon Smith just collapsed in hysterics at that point but there we are yeah, that really is casting shade on someone, isn't it? Um, yeah, he was a shell of a man, really, in, in that fifth set, and it's a credit to him that he got any games on the board, really. And, and at one point, he actually fell over, and look, I, th- I thought that was it. Federer was was crossing over to the other side of the net. So it was one of those moments where the whole stadium fell silent, and I thought, oh, no, it's not going to end like this, is it? And he didn't even call for the trainer. He just warrioured on. Um, so, yeah, I, I felt so much for Mikhail Eugenie. I don't think he's ever going to beat Roger Federer. There's no shame in that. <laughs> he's probably the greatest tennis player of all time. I'm afraid he'll probably just have to retire knowing that... At least he shared the court with him 17 times. And today, he led him two sets to one. He played really, really well. Federer now faces Feliciano Lopez, who defeated Fernando Vadasco. That will be interesting because if, uh, if Lopez plays the way, say, he did at Queen's... He won the title there. Could be interesting. I mean, he's always had his way pretty much, hasn't he, Federer, against Lopez. But he's going to have to find something else here because at the moment he's able to find it in little snippets, but he's not sustaining his play. Yeah, he'll have to find something else. End of story. Absolutely. He knows that. Um, yeah, it comes back to the. it comes back to his physical situation, whether he's physically able to find something else. I do believe he'll improve. Um, with each match, however many there are, but how much he'll improve, I, I don't know. And there remains that that big question mark that we can only continue to speculate about. Indeed. Uh, a very close match today for Karolina Pliskova against Nicole Gibbs. She fought back and won to keep her chances alive of still staying at world number one. But um, she didn't look completely convincing today to me. Um, Elena Svitolina, more convincing what else have you seen today of note? Well, I, I was in the uh, media cafe when Karolina Pliskova was in the strife that she was in and uh, I overheard a lot of discussion between a few commentators saying that the reason that was happening is because of how slow the Arthur Ashe court is. Um, now, I've not played on it. I'm not a particularly brilliant judge of, of courts. So, you know, I can tell when a, a court's particularly fast or particularly slow, but the... Um, the minutiae in, in between I'm, I'm, I'm not the best judge but a lot of people uh, whose opinions uh, I very much rate were saying you know you just can't put the ball away on this court it does not suit Pliskova at all and in that chat I just had moments ago with Alex Karecha he revealed that on Thursday last Thursday before the tournament he saw them painting the court he doesn't know why he, he absolutely says that wouldn't be a usual thing to do they were banned from taking photos he took a photo and was probably told that he uh, he couldn't couldn't post that um so and and he thinks that would slow slow it down a fresh lick of paint he thinks it'll speed up as the tournament goes along but uh he said he, he struggles to see how that wouldn't be a factor so that certainly would explain some of the strange matches I mean truly fascinating I mean we might have seeds dropping left right and centre but match wise we've been spoiled so far this tournament it's been glorious yeah well today actually that's the first time I've commentated on something that really took off and and it was it was great fun to do that um 
a, a heavy defeat today for Grigor Dimitrov at the hands of Andrei Rublev, who was brilliant. Andrei Rublev today was fantastic, but Dimitrov, uh, he lost the first two sets, 7-5, 7-6, and then, frankly, he just... He just evaporated as a, as a force. He's never, I looked it up, he's never fought back from two sets of love down to win a match. And that was disappointing, actually, that, that he didn't show more fight for me in the third set. No, he's never done it, and there wasn't a moment in that third set where I thought he would do it, and that was probably the most disappointing thing. Rublev is very good, and he does seem to be coming of age. Uh, reusable quote there in this tournament. Um, so, so, look, I... I, I being challenged by him and maybe even being beaten by him in four or five hard-fought sets is one thing, but losing to him in the way that he did I find hugely worrying uh, for Grigor Dimitrov. He's never going to come into a slam in better shape. And we made a big thing of that. I certainly did about the fact that he'd won the title in Cincinnati just like he had at Queen's and Brisbane and then done well at the slams. Frankly, he came up short today. He'll never have a bigger opportunity or be in better physical or mental shape so I don't I don't know where he goes from here this is he I would love to be a fly on the wall with him and Danny Valverde because that's that's a tough discussion reusable uh, reusable quote for Thomas Burdick and, and his coach is he does he have a coach at the moment but whoever he's going to talk about this tournament with Thomas Burdick goodness me yeah he lost uh, to Alexander Dolgopolov today Naomi Osaka my new best mate won again Catherine 7-5 in the third yeah, seven five in the third. Bit of a battle, bit of a battle. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think it could be good for her that she's had that battle. Bit of a come down for her to be out on court thirteen. Denisa Alatova, her opponent, very good player, but you know, it's the classic come down after the big victory, isn't it? So I think that's really big for her to come through that. And crucially, uh, everything else aside, we are still on for the Ostapenko Osaka fourth round that I so desperately want. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that. I, I know where you're coming from. We had the longest women's match in US Open history today between Shelby Rogers and Daria Gavrilova. One in three hours and 31 minutes by Shelby Rogers, 7-5 in the third set tiebreak. And my bit of insight about that is that I just happened to see them walk past one another in the corridor about half an hour ago. So a good couple of hours after that match finished, Shelby Rogers was midway through her big media tour and Gavrilova was hanging out outside the locker room for some reason. They crossed paths, they they hugged uh, and uh, Gavrilova asked how Shelby was doing physically and she said yeah yeah I'm okay I'm not sure about tomorrow though and then as she walked on she said yeah I think we spent too much time with one another today <laughs> I think they did um, so that that kind of sums up most of the day session the night session is underway as I said I'll be back with more Nadal chat a little bit later let's just have a very quick look ahead to tomorrow because Arthur Ashe Stadium will host Denis Shapovalov against Kyle Edmund of Great Britain. It's one, obviously, we're all looking forward to. You'll be able to watch it live on Eurosport. We'll have commentary of it on the BBC Sport website. That's going to take place at 1 o'clock local time, which is 6pm in the UK. And Catherine has had the opportunity to speak to the great Mats Valander, seven times uh, Grand Slam champion on Eurosport, and she asked him what he made of Denis Shapovalov. I think, to me, he's the most exciting of the young prospects in the world actually um, the fact that uh, the way that he plays being left-handed uh, plays with, a, with an enormous amount of spin on the backhand side um, goes for his shots on both sides he's got a really 
good looking service motion. Uh, he's got a really good body language on court because he was maybe too wild at some point. And obviously we know what happened with the chair umpire and, and at the Davis Cup against Great Britain. But I think that has worked out to be a good thing for him because I have, it's, it's hard to find somebody who's more pumped up than he is on court. When, when you're playing Rafa Nadal in the Masters series and Rafa Nadal wins the first set and you at 18, still beat Nadal in three sets, that goes beyond luck, it goes beyond Nadal playing bad, that's just complete um, uh, Grand Slam champion material that can only be destroyed by injury. Well, Catherine, listening to, to Mats, I, I mean, I always get pretty excited when I hear Mats because he always gives you something a little bit different, he always gives it with an extra bit of verve and zip and, and enthusiasm as well, but my goodness, he is convinced by this guy. Oh, yeah, he's as excited by him as I am. I mean, everyone is now, but... Uh, but you were first. Yeah, well, we were early adopters. We were early adopters. Uh, and he is the fourth favourite with the bookies for the title. You're, I know you're making a face at me, and I, I'm not saying he's going to win it. I am absolutely not you're saying that. You're desperate to, I can or, see it in your eyes. Or that he's you want realistically to, don't you? the fourth favourite. You want to put him in the final, don't you, Catherine? However... You secretly think that maybe he's going to... Of all the tennis I've seen played on the men's side at this tournament, his has been the highest level. Wow. Catherine Whitaker with a, a Look, big that, statement. That doesn't mean he'll, he'll repeat it. He's 18 years old. He's never done back-to-back best-of-five matches before. I'm not saying... When's he going to go out? I think he's winning against Carl Edmonds. See, I, I'm I on the fence on that one because I think Carl Edmonds playing really well and I think there'll is, be a relentlessness to his is. game. I think it'll be a good match. I just think he's winning it. Um, I had him in the quarterfinals before I've got him the winning tournament. It as well. I know that is meaningless because I had his Zverev Dimitrov final. <laughs> so. you, get a, you get a bit of credit for that, actually. I mean, Catherine, honestly, I'm getting so much stick on Twitter. Rightfully so. I mean, my predictions have been absolutely appalling, quite Everyone's honestly. Have. Everyone's have. David, my brother... Uh, pseudonym uh, Rosie the dog texted me earlier and said, said he, he's just deeply embarrassed by all of his predictions. I mean, I, feel I, I heard the Federer rumours about his back being dodgy, and he's not even in my quarterfinal lineup. And I, I mean, Federer's not in your quarterfinal he's lineup. Not, I, I had a Dimitrov Zverev final, David. I, I'm in, I'm in ruins. But Shapovalov. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely my, shocked. I had not seen your predictions Shapovalov before. Shapovalov may be my. Did I have him in my quarterfinals? I might have had him. In my, oh, I don't know. Shapovalov could just be my saving grace. Well, to be honest I'm not with you, saying he's going to win it. Your but, federal one looks pretty good actually at the moment. I know he's in the second yeah. round, but he's falling apart really, isn't he, physically? Yeah, maybe that will turn out to be good. I think women's I'm doing a bit better. I certainly didn't have Radvanska in the final. I had and Sharapova in the semi-finals, and you laughed at me. In the preview. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, you're not best pleased with her scheduling, are you? I'm well, not. Well, I mean, Caroline Wozniacki certainly isn't. I'm, I'm, regardless of whether you agree with her, I'm pleased that somebody's prepared to be out, outspoken about how they feel about Marina Sharapova because it's just one big loving. I suppose the thing the is, the, the, one t- the one tomorrow, actually, you know, people have pointed out she is playing a young up-and-coming American player as well, etc. Probably you can see the point. But to have all three on on that court and Muguruza's not on there and, and Sloane Stevens isn't on there and as, as Wozniacki said, you know, we, we I was supposed to be on court five, you know, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 absolutely not fair. Now look, scheduling is not a meritocracy. It's often not fair, but I think you have to introduce an element of fairness where you can, especially in such a sort of even women's draw. You've got six 
No, we're down to five women now, aren't we, vying for the world number one. We, we started with eight. That should show you that, you, you know, you've, you've got pretty much eight, nine players that, that deserve to feature on Arthur Ashe Stadium and, and you've got one that's getting very preferential treatment at the moment. I'm quite sure uh, the host broadcasters here have a lot to do with it and they, the host broadcasters should have a big say in scheduling uh, but surely a, a, a nod towards fairness should come in somewhere. Yeah, well, uh, I would agree. Right, Catherine, you go and get your bus. Uh, I'm going to stay here for the night session and do the really hard work and stay here till to the middle of the night and watch Rafael Nadal play. And then I'll give my uh, verdict on how he's played and we'll hear from Tony Nadal and Carlos Moyer that you spoke to earlier. How's that? Sounds all right. They were very good, actually. So you're in good, albeit remote company. Can't wait. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So Rafael Nadal has won in four sets, but my goodness, it was not straightforward. I've just uh, been watching the match from the commentary box where I sit here for BBC Radio 5 Live overlooking the Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is just emptied only moments ago. Rafael Nadal has uh, departed the scene, but for a set and a bit, he looked really uncomfortable. He lost the first set to Taro Daniel of Japan, who's ranked 121 in the world and who played out of his skin tonight he is a dynamic player very quick around the court he was hitting the ball incredibly hard and flat piercing ground strokes causing Nadal problems Nadal was trying to bully him with his own game but he's a bit off at the moment he he isn't really feeling the ball particularly well he managed to find a way to come back sets two three and four ultimately were fairly comfortably comfortable for Nadal but he was a breakdown earlier in that second set and there was a look of relief on his face more than anything to have just got through that's that's what I saw 
after the match, he was hitting balls into the crowd and uh, they were having a joke about how he was going to try and get the ball to a guy in a purple T-shirt who was in the third tier of the stadium who was surrounded by loads of other people. And he, he pretty much put it in the guy's hands and joked with the interviewer afterwards, that's the best shot I played all match. And it was a bit like that, really. Nadal is a man, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's as concerned as Federer supporters might be about their man although Federer seems absolutely fine about it all he seems to think everything's going just fine but Nadal looks a bit concerned I have to say the fact is though he's through into the third round and his draw is pretty good Leonardo Meyer is a good player he's his third round opponent but it's somebody that Nadal would expect to win against so we'll just have to wait and see now I mentioned that Catherine Whittaker, who has now gone home, has been speaking on Eurosport to a couple of seriously big names from the Nadal camp. One of them is his uncle and his long-time coach, Tony Nadal. And Catherine was asking him about what it is like for Nadal to come into this tournament as the world number one. What another one objective for us to, to achieve the, the, the world number one, but because in the last years we have uh, many problems, physical problems, and we can, in the last years, since 2014, we cannot make a, a complete uh, season. Then we don't think about uh, to be number one, number two, or number three. We think only about the tournaments. But for us it's, it's important to be, again, the number one. Mm. Personally, I prefer to win uh, this tournament but, uh, to be the number one, but to be number one is very important too. There is, of course, the potential for Rafa to play Roger for a place in the final and for the world number one ranking. Is that a match that, that you and that Rafa would look forward to? No, I prefer that the Federer lose before. I don't know who to play against the best players, never. I prefer to play with uh, not the best players. I prefer to play with the worst players. It's not easy to play with the worst because normally the worst play lose before. But uh, for us, it's, it's not too good to play against Federer no, or against Djokovic, Marai. No, no, no. Better to play with uh, not too good players. And just finally, are you able to compare the Rafael Nadal that we see today to the ones that won the title here in 2010 and 2013? But I think uh, in 2013 he played better than today. It's normal. Uh, 20, in 13, the last uh, year that he won here, he played unbelievable. The final was one of the best matches I have seen. And uh, I remember well because I have... I saw last week uh, in the television, I saw again this uh, match and it was unbelievable. Many good shots, many winners, less mistakes against one uh, incredible uh, Djokovic. So at the moment, in 2013, Rafael has won the tournament. Now we have, uh, Rafael has won the first round. At the moment, he's better. <laughs> Uh, in 2013, when uh, Rafael, uh, if uh, Rafael win this tournament, then we can talk again. So that's Tony Nadal, and uh, quite funny, isn't it, to hear him say that he'd rather 
Rafa doesn't play against Roger Federer when just about everybody else is desperate for that to happen. What about Carlos Moya? Catherine was also speaking to him. He's here as the world number one. Just talk to me about that achievement. Was it something quite unexpected for Rafa to, to reach that pinnacle again? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I did, at least not for me. I was sure that if he was healthy and motivated and playing well, he would have chance to be uh, to be number one. I didn't expect to be to have the chance to be number one in July because he didn't play well the second part of last year and, and the gap was very big. But he played very well, uh, combined with uh, Andy and Novak not playing that well and uh, being injured. So suddenly we were in that, uh, having that chance in that position. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought that by the end of the year, he, if he was playing well, he, he would have a chance to, to be number one. Does it put a different complexion on the tournament for him at all, the fact that he is here as the best player in the world? Does he feel he has something extra to prove? Well, I guess if uh, he was a new number one and he was never in that spot before, probably... He could feel the pressure, but we're talking about a player that has been 145 weeks as number one, 15 Grand Slam champions. So uh, he has the pressure to play well, to try to win the title, and that will mean that he will be number one. So uh, the pressure is to be Rafael Nadal, and, and he has to win every single match that he's playing. Tony's just told us that he doesn't want Rafa to have to play Federer in the semi-finals. Is that a match that you want, a match that Rafa wants? Why not? Uh, I think... Uh, they proved this year that they are the two best players in the world and, and I think it would be a great match for, for the crowd, a great match for tennis. And This year Federer found a way to turn things around playing with Rafa. It's our turn now to, to move on and try to find a way to, to beat him still away from that semi-final. But if it happens, we, we're going to be ready for it. Why not? Just finally, there were a lot of people that wanted that match potentially to happen in the final. It didn't because of Andy Murray's withdrawal. Rafa was a bit outspoken about when that withdrawal took place. It was a bit strange. He said that it took place after the draw. What's your take on that? Well, I guess Rafa didn't mean that at all. Uh, they just asked him what he thought and, and that's it. Uh, obviously, Andy is injured and... and uh, he's been since Wimbledon not playing and you know now uh, what we wish him and I wish him because he's a nice guy a good friend of mine is that uh, he recovers uh, fast and he will be ready hopefully to play uh, in a few weeks we do too and we wish you a great tournament Carlos thank okay. you thank you so there you have it there's Team Nadal they are ready to go through whatever it takes and that's just typical Nadal isn't it because he's not playing the best tennis of his life but he will keep on keeping on and hoping that it all comes right in the end what is it three four matches four matches they need to win both Federer and he in order to meet in the semi-finals it is something New York, New York has never experienced and uh, it really would be quite something if it happened so Great matches to look forward to on day five on Friday at the US Open, including that match between Kyle Edmund and Denis Shapovalov, which will be live at 6pm UK time on Eurosport and also on the BBC Sport website. We'll be doing live commentary from here as well. Loads of other good matches to look forward to. Check out the order of play if you get a chance. And we will be back with another daily tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and Eurosport after play is finished. Have a good one and enjoy the tennis. Yes. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.